We now have the four candidates running for Georgia governor. What will this election mean for the state, the country? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday, usually from 3 to 6. Today it's 4 to 6, but uh, we're going to make the most of this two hours. We're going to pack it all in. There's lots and lots to talk about. I uh, have had a very fun, interesting, productive, and uh, valuable week here at WSB with the rest of the team working on the WSB Carathon, which was so interesting and fun and moving and did such good work for uh, that program for children's cancer and blood disorders at Children's Hospital. It was really moving to finally get to broadcast from there. And uh, hopefully we raised some good money. And I was there with Krista DiBiaz and, of course, Dave Baker. And Krista sitting in on the show right now. Hello. Hey, Krista. That was, you do so much work for the Carathon. I do nothing. I really don't. <laughs> I just, um, I'm privileged to be there every year. I feel really lucky to be around um, those families and meet those kids that are just so strong. And um, and then I help, of course, I work with Clark Howard and I help him uh, do his show, and um, it was unreal this year. We've raised one point, just a little over one point six million dollars. Whoa! For the, wow! And, and no overhead. Like that money goes directly to this, to the Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center there at, at uh, Children's Healthcare, and um, you you can still donate though. You can still give to this wonderful cause in a couple ways. You can go to wsbradio.com through tomorrow and scott slade will read the final grand total on monday morning's news and um also you can round up your purchases at kroger so i'm gonna make sure i do that tomorrow when i do my weekly grocery shopping so thank you kroger for that as well well i would love it if the uh if the tally went up during our show today for a couple of reasons one it's a great cause of course and I love giving libertarians an opportunity to demonstrate that yes, we you know we don't need the government to organize every bit of charity when people are really in need, they'll do it. And what I really what was interesting to me is that I went to this to the hospital to see what was going on, to see it for myself. And the one thing I went in, and as I was walking in with you, Krista, I said, like the one thing I want to understand is how these kids show up after they've had pain and fear and they have to go. These uh, Every person I talked to had treatments for, like, years. And how did they keep those kids going? And they told us about their counseling, their counselors, their therapies, their distraction therapies, music, pets. And the gal who was giving us the tour, Ashley, just happened to mention that that, that, that all of that, is 100% donor-sponsored. That's not, that the insurance doesn't pay for that, the government doesn't pay for it. Yep. And that's when I realized that you really make a, di- like, the thing I thought was the most important was the thing that we're paying for. So right. I love that. Voluntary and, giving, yeah. as you say. Yes, I just loved it. And it was really moving experience. So please, if people want to give now, that would be great. I think that would be awesome. Um, it's wsbradio.com, as easy as that. So, uh also this week, we know who's running for Georgia governor. And I guess we already knew that it was Stacey Abrams, and now the Republican candidate is Brian Kemp. There's also the independent Odom and the libertarian Ted Metz, which I have to say, if ever there's a race where uh, you might be tempted by the lesser of two evils, I can't, I mean, we're going to talk a bit about what Stacey Abrams is kind of all about in her own words. I'm not going to misrepresent it. I'm going to, all I do is look at her resume. Binkley, my producer here is just listens to what she says and brings it to us. And, um, and as I was thinking about, so I, this year I actually thought the most important thing, if I were to have a cause, if I were to engage in the system, believe in the system, give the system a last hope, it would be election integrity. Because I can say all I want that uh, the mob should not have the right to vote away your objective rights. 
And we have a constitution for that. We have limitations for that. Our democratic process is really to get people in the position to um, just execute that stuff, legislate it within the bounds of our objective rules. But there's no chance that that system, as it's designed, could work if the elections themselves have no integrity. So I thought if there's one thing we can do here on the ground, it's try to secure election integrity. And VoterGA.org does that. I've had Garland Favrito, who's one of the founders of that organization, on the show a lot. And he, uh, this year, uh, filed a complaint, a criminal complaint against Brian Kemp for uh, having very vulnerable election systems during 2016. And when those uh, were under scrutiny, they wiped the servers. And there's just never been a good explanation for that. I think that, uh, you, you know, unless until I, he, I there is a full investigation, you have to keep open the possibility that Kemp uh, didn't do his job for out of incompetence or worse. So we have to see that. I think this and other things are going to be make Kemp quite vulnerable versus the Stacey Abrams. And, you know, he's not my guy because of that. But but because of what I think Stacey Abrams is bringing, I feel if you look at her resume, which I've talked about before, she has and we're going to talk about this in the context of some of the things that she said recently. So during the show, I'm going to kind of try to bring it out little by little. She she has a resume that really screams uh globalism. It doesn't scream Georgia. She's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. She has internships that are very telling. Uh, a couple in particular that I haven't explored before uh, came up in my came to my attention this week that I want to tell you about. And because of that, like I look at this, she actually made a Freudian slip once that this is her path to the White House, not the governor's mansion. And I think it could even be beyond that, but that she really has a world vision that may be very sincere in her way. We're going to find out what her sincere, what she professes to be her sincere political beliefs, just so you can decide whether that's what you want or not. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I like the opposite of that. I want local control. I want to make sure that the people who we elect to secure our rights and protections uh, are held accountable by us. We have access to them. And I think she really means the opposite. So for me, it's it's one of those things where it might be the one time that I can understand the lesser of two evils. But, boy, it's this is not a, a fun choice to make. However, so as I was going down that road, I uh, I just opened Ted Metz's homepage and the blurb under his like libertarian candidate for governor is this. Libertarians believe that respect for individual rights is the essential precondition for a free and prosperous world. That force and fraud must be banished from human relationships and that only through freedom can peace and prosperity be realized? So I was tempted to think the lesser of two evils, but Mets had me at respect for individual rights. So I, but I, unlike people who tell me that I shouldn't do vote for who I want to vote for, I wouldn't presume to tell people to do what, you know, to make the same conclusion I have made. I, I, I think you have to make your own conclusions. But uh, I'm not sure, you know, you have all the information. So we're going to bring out some of that information on this show. Uh, and I'm open to uh, hearing what you guys have to say about uh, the choices that you make when faced with kind of the lesser of two evils. Or, or maybe you love these people and, and you want to make a case for them. I, I would make a case for Mets. I actually agree with what he's saying. Now, of course, you then have to dig in and say, will he actually deliver on that stuff? That's the next layer. But I'm going to, for this, so far in the race, I'm going to talk about what, uh, you know, what they're offering at face value. So we can talk about that, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And um, so, Binkley, do you have, uh, I don't want to start getting into the clips. Let's start rolling into some of that stuff afterwards. Uh, I don't really have time to get into the first kind of blockbuster about uh, influencing Russian elections and Stacey <laughs> Abrams. That there's your tease for. Let's try to do that at the bottom of the hour. 
But in the meanwhile, do you have a strong opinion of what what's the right thing to do here? Would you vote the lesser of two evils or what's what's your gut? I would not because every propaganda book or study I've ever read talks about how the lesser of two evils tactic is used to put people into office. So I won't do it. I, I oppose both. Wow. Okay. Well, I have to say I gave it some thought and I and I decided that until we truly demand that all candidates respect and uphold the Bill of Rights, respect the sovereignty of other nations, and I think this is more important even than um, budget hawks think it is, uh, commit to ending government debt. I really feel like when it comes to this stuff, it's not like, oh, how are we ever going to pay it back? I feel like it's the root of the evil. It's not just money we owe. So I would say protect the Bill of Rights. Uh, respect the sovereignty of other nations and uh, commit to ending government debt. Unless I really think that those three things are going to be affected, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think the lesser of two evils is really going to change the direction that our secret but evil overlords are heading us into. So on that note, <laughs> <laughs> maybe the lines will light up, but that's okay because we've got uh, lots of. Um, We really just want to exchange ideas, but also I really want to dig into some of the clips that you picked up, uh, Binkley, about the Abrams strategy and her philosophy. And I'm just dying to tell you about what I found out about uh, how we try to influence Russian elections. I can't wait. I know. It's super exciting. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You always uh, are so enlightening. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK are our numbers. Uh, we're kind of kicking off the official Georgia governor's race. And we are going to be doing it. We're going to talk about all the candidates over, you know, until November. Uh Thank goodness there's a libertarian candidate, but um, I understand why people don't want to take any chances. I think that this race is getting national scrutiny. I think they're they're uh, uh, fixing a lot of symbolism to Stacey Abrams. And I think she's she's exploiting that, trying to cultivate uh, stereotypes, I guess. So here's a story she told that. Uh, I, you know, it may be true, but the governor's office responded, Zell Miller at the time, saying that they found it virtually impossible to believe. But let's hear, let's hear her tell the story and then we can kind of react to it. And then I'm going to tell you something new that you didn't know about Stacey Abrams in high school. So Binkley, let's play that clip. And I was a high school senior. I graduated as valedictorian. But my parents, uh, who are incredible people, uh, at the time they were graduate students at Emory University getting their Masters of Divinity, we didn't have a car. My family couldn't afford one. And so we relied on public transit. That day we took the public bus to the governor's mansion. We got off the bus and we walked up the driveway. All the other families were arriving by car. And the security guard looked at my parents, looked at me, and refused us entry. He told us we didn't belong. He didn't ask to see our invitation. He didn't check his checklist. Uh, Luckily, I have very aggressive parents who believe in their children and will always stand up for us. And so they had a very vigorous and engaged discussion with the guard. And he finally agreed to check the checklist and found my name on it. And the point of the story is I was allowed inside, but I don't remember meeting the governor of Georgia. I don't remember meeting my fellow valedictorians. What stuck with me from that day was this man standing in front of the most powerful place in Georgia telling me I didn't have the right to come inside because of who he saw when he looked at me, when he looked at that bus that my parents and I got off of. So that's her story. Now, the uh, I think the chief of staff of Zell Miller, who recently died, said uh, he just found it very hard to believe. Her name was first on the roster. There's a check mark next to it. I don't know if you could even see the bus stop from the governor's mansion. And uh, and and for her to say that was like such a poignant memory, she had already uh, entered the elite. I'm going to tell you right after the break 
what she brought to that meeting. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. I think you're a great libertarian voice on the radio. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6 normally. Today it's 4 to 6, but we're going to get a lot done in these two hours. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show if you want to chime in. Uh, we just played, so the governor's race is on. We know who is running for governor, Abrams, Kemp, Odom, and Metz. Metz is libertarian. Of course, I like libertarians. I am for what I am for. I'm not against what, I'm not voting against what I'm against so much as if there's an opportunity to vote for somebody I believe in, I'm going to do it. So I don't presume to tell other people how to use their votes, uh, but I'm open to any, whatever you want to say, and and um we can have a civilized discussion about it. But uh, but one thing that I think is important is to make sure people know uh, the choice that they're actually making. So Stacey Abrams, to me, uh, I'm not sure what you see is what you get. But if you scratch the surface a little bit and just look at her resume and what she said, I think you get a better picture than kind of the national media propaganda sound bites and uh, memes that are going to flood the airwaves until November. So we just heard a clip of her uh, talking about how when she was valedictorian of her high school in Georgia and she was invited to the governor's mansion with the other valedictorians, uh, the guard did not want to let her and her family in because they got off a city bus and he didn't believe that her name could be on the list. Her name was the first name on the list. He would literally have to not even have looked at it. And and Zell Miller's chief of staff was like really hurt because he said Zell did care about civil rights and that kind of thing. And nobody on his staff treated people that way. And it was like impossible to believe. So her campaign responded by saying, let's not quibble about whether, you know, what the facts are here. It, we're talking about the deeper truth. So this goes to a little meme I invented. Facts are facts, but truth is truth. Right. Very communist response from the Abrams campaign there. Yes, yes. And it came – that's Binkley, my producer, who also played for us the Starbucks clips, which is where I kind of was able to distill this theme, which is uh, the Starbucks, the guys at Starbucks who said that they were um, treated differently because they were black and weren't allowed to use the bathroom – even though they weren't buying anything, you know the whole story. But one of the things the guy said was, now that's a rule that I, I suppose is evenly applied. I don't know if they got, I don't know. But they changed their bathroom policy at Starbucks. So I imagine they thought it was a bad rule overall. And what the guy said was, rules are rules, but right is right. And what you're saying there is that things are subjective. You know, subjective so that you... uh you can bypass the rules if you know in your heart that it's better. Yeah, that's exactly how they justified telling the incub- the, the babies being ripped out of incubator, incubator stories going oh, yeah. into the Gulf War, which wasn't true. Right. They said it doesn't matter that it wasn't true. At least we're stopping the bad guys. Yeah. And my argument always goes back to if you're if they're bad guys, there should be plenty of evidence. Like you don't need to make anything up for that. And uh uh, this subjectivism, do you have clip one super handy? It's just like a six-second clip, and it really brings out the uh, the subjectivist viewpoint of, um, you know, like, like, so my idea, my point is rules are only good rules that have emerged through 10,000 years of civilization and a lot of smart people and experience and all that. So if they're, if, if you believe in rules, it's because they're, universally applicable and that's what rule of law means but if you think that the rules can should only be in the hands of certain people like rules are rules but right is right you really can't uh there's no predictability and there's no universally applied justice and this quick little clip was is it stacy saying it yes okay let's hear it when redistricting is in the hands of those who have good intentions and have good hearts things change. So she doesn't like redistricting 
if her party isn't in power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why this doesn't what, what they're saying really is that our system doesn't work at all and needs to be completely redone, which they actually say that, you know, they are getting to say that, like, we need a system that we don't have to fight is, is one of the clips that you have. And hmm, which one is that? Yeah, that was one of the Parkland students who was on Pod Save America recently, which is Pod Save America is a podcast. It's run by a bunch of former Obama staffers and is now being propped up by HBO and is spread everywhere. Yeah. Do you want to play that one about um, we need a system? We need a system that we don't have to fight. Yeah, it takes a second to find it. All right. So but I let me just button up. um the thing about the her high school, it's she at that point. I so I look at her resume. I just look at her resume and I investigate the things that are on it. And and literally, when you look at her resume, nothing says I uh, am just this unlikely grassroots candidate uh, who really understands the plight of the impoverished and the druggie. It instead says to me. Uh, I was selected at a very young age to be groomed for to be the face of the elite to the people so they don't see like a beard. And one of the things she did. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things she did before that incident where the only thing she can remember being at the governor's mansion is how she was oppressed is that she she is in she is a uh, I just saw this on their Facebook page, a Telluride SP 90. So that means that in 1990, she was in the Telluride Association Summer Program. And it's a six-week educational experience for high school juniors that offers challenges and rewards rarely encountered in secondary school or even college. It has a rigorous selection process. Now, I read elsewhere that it's by invitation only. So how her her bus riding parents figured this out, I never even heard of it before. I mean, this is like tantamount to secret. Uh, Taspers generally go on to America's finest colleges, which she did. Telluride Association hopes the TASP experience endows its students with a sense of intellectual vitality, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It's one of the most successful and prestigious academic summer programs in the nation. The more than 3,400 living TASP alumni include leaders in politics, journalism, academia, the sciences, education, medicine, business, and the arts. For many, the six-week Telluride Association program was a formative experience in their lives. So before this happened, like that could, it, she was already on the road. And then uh, another internship I dug into. So after this, so she went to Yale Law School. Was that her ultimate? Yeah. I forget what her undergrad was, but she went to Yale Law School. Spelman, I think. Um, maybe, yeah, sounds right. And, uh, and then after she's right now a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. She's, uh, a, uh, a fellow of the British American Project. That's a good one. The British American Project, uh, I think John Pilger said it was, um, the foot soldiers in any network devoted to power and propaganda. That's what her thing was. Um, the Salzburg Seminar... Freeman Fellow on U.S. East Asian Relations, on Youth and Civic Engagement, on um, uh, she was a Council on Italy Fellow, and American Council of Young Political Leaders Fellow at the U.S. Department of State. She was an American Marshall Memorial Fellow. I believe that's like the Marshall Plan. Next Gen Fellow of the American Assembly at Columbia University on U.S. Global Policy and the Future of International Institutions. And she's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. I mean, she is preparing to be president of the world, not even just president of this country, which she's also preparing to do because she did say on this road to the White House when she met the governor's mansion. (laughs) So do you want to play the thing about um, how we need a system that isn't about rights, but that we don't have to fight that? works with us is that worth yeah all right go for it we can't talk about voting as participating in this system we have to talk about voting as being able to create a new system that fights for us instead of a system we have to fight and i think that's the hardest thing right now to communicate to people because we're incredibly divided as a nation but if the young people of this country can come together we have the technology we have the education to come together and say this is what we want to fight for we can completely change what this country looks like because young people 
as a demographic, like, vote at the lowest rate. And if we raise, like, five points, six points, the youth turnout, completely control the election mm-hmm. as young right. people. That's right. See, this upsets me because it's like when I hear them, I, I, I'm not like this, like, democracy, right or wrong. I don't think like that. But our system is set up to have protections for uh, minorities, like the minority political opinion, minority regional, like that's what the Electoral College is about. That's why the Senate has the same number of people from each state. That's why uh, you have states' rights. That's what all that stuff is. So when they're talking about we don't want a system we have to fight, they're talking about negotiation, compromise. And the only thing, the only compromise that really works is the compromise where you leave each other alone and nobody's going to compromise and say, okay, I'll give you everything. So, you know, the compromise is, you know what, you're going to, I'm not going to take your pot away, but you're going to have to buy it yourself. Like that's a compromise everyone can live with, you know? Yeah. And what, what that kid is saying, that's one of the Parkland school shooting survivors. That's one of the David hogs that goes around, you know, propagating disinfo all the time. He, um, just think about your own teenager, and is that really, is that an unschool, you know? He's, he's promoting subversion. Yeah, an overthrow of the system. Yeah. I know. It's it, it it Look, if he was talking about overthrowing the system and restoring individual rights, you know, like a de facto institution of the Bill of Rights, like protecting Bill of Rights, but that what's going on now is stripping away those rights. So, this is the same body of people who don't like the Sixth Amendment because they give people the right to trial who don't deserve it. You know, like that's that's not <laughs> that's not OK. So like the Parkland guy, that that was a big theme around that. Like, should we be paying for his lawyer? It's like, well, who like the Parkland shooter? It's yeah. like, well, you don't really know even if he did it, it until you have the trial. Like you think, you know, but that means you just believe the media. So but I want to let's take a break. But then I'll tell you that the internship that uh, that Stacey Abrams did that I thought was like so on point with the whole Russian collusion meme. You're really not going to believe it when I peeled the onion on this one. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. 29 years of service in the Army as a uh, professional intelligence officer. I sincerely appreciate your program. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We are back. Uh... Trying to give some insights into Stacey Abrams, the person and the policies. And I was just talking about some of her internships. I hadn't known about her high school internship, which it's like uh, very low profile, but it is actually stating expressly that it is grooming uh, people to interface with the elites or become the elite Later, And that was one thing. So she got a very early start. There's lots of people I've noticed, Sergey Brin, Mark Zuckerberg, George Soros, who were um, have story James Comey, Fidel Castro, who have stories from their teen years that put them somehow in the limelight in in on a path to where they are today. Very interesting. I, I just I don't know what to make of it exactly. But when I see it, it kind of makes me do a double take. But uh, but it's one of her later internships that really blew my mind when I realized the implications of it. She was a UCOS fellow for U.S.-Russia relations. And UCOS oil, if you if you remember it, it existed, I believe, from 1993 to 2007. The guy who owned it, Kodorkovsky, his name was, I think, uh, they shut him down. First of all, the way they got rich there, these oligarchs emerged in Russia is exactly the way this guy did. He owned a bank. The bank was given the right to auction off the state companies when Russia started to privatize stuff. And in almost every case, the bank itself won the bid. So the thing was worth $20 billion, and this guy got it through his bank for, I think, $150 million. So they, it, was just, it was just absolute theft, and Putin kind of was pulling back on that. And this, I think, had... It's hard to find the information on it, but I did see references that it was largely Western held and it went bankrupt in 2007. So her internship there had to have been before 2007. And during that time, uh, they had a program, I think it was called the Open Russia Program. I've been doing all this (laughs) stuff on the Wayback Machine and it's hard to navigate. 
But that, there were five board members. One was Henry Kissinger. Another was Lord Jacob Rothschild. Wow. So I don't know if that was the program she was involved in, but I can't find any information on that. But I can find information on, on another similar program of theirs called the New Civilization, where UCOS inaugurated a youth education project uh, where hundreds of thousands of young Russian citizens um, took part in various new civilization programs, including a democracy role-playing game, <laughs> regional and interregional summer camps and festivals. New civilization participant schools each became an independent children's republic who established economic, political, cultural, and educational relations with the countries and neighboring schools. So as I've been looking into you know, Russian hacking and this Yukos oil thing, I realized that we have had a multi-decade plan to really influence the body politic in Russia. And I know, Binkley, you have something to say about that, so let's get to it after the break. And uh, and I believe you actually have literal fun and games for me. So we're going to get to that in a second, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6. You wouldn't know it, but we started at 4 today. That's okay. Anything you miss, you can always get at PropagandaReportDaily.com where you can get... WSB very generously gives us these shows without commercials, which we post, and we also do podcasts. So uh, if you've got the Jones or you missed something, plug into that, PropagandaReportDaily.com. And what we're talking about today is uh, a lot of times we do stuff of national or even international significance, and we also try to do local stuff. This is kind of both. As um, hey maybe Binkley you can my producer Binkley here can find that uh, that clip. I'm sorry I don't have these on my uh at the tip of my finger telling us that how important this is to the nation it's clip 23 so this is why the georgia governor's race between abrams kemp odom and metz don't forget metz he's the libertarian and he seems like a good guy so we're gonna dig into that maybe we'll get him on the show yeah uh but uh let's hear stacy abrams saying what's what's what this is really about The more we have an external narrative, people across this country talking about why this election matters, why Georgia matters. Because here's the thing. We have the large, the busiest airport in the world, third largest port on the East Coast. We, after L.A., are one of the top locations for filming. We are a state of more than 10.5 million people, the ninth largest economy, and the governor of Georgia – is responsible for signing the gerrymandering maps, the redistricting maps in 2020. Mm. So if you don't want the maps to be gerrymandered, then make certain that she is elected (laughs) to either sign or veto those maps. And just to put this in context, Georgia has 14 legislative districts. We are likely to pick up another one. We have 16 electoral votes. Georgia winning, me winning Georgia, changes America. That's why you should care. Yep, that's why you should care. (laughs) Because when good people with good hearts have control of redistricting. Oh, yeah. Can you play clip one? Because it's not about – it's so funny. The rules only work when they're in the hands of a benevolent dictator, apparently. Go. (laughs) When redistricting is in the hands of those who have good intentions and have good hearts, things change. I mean, if that's what you're depending on, then government is truly terrifying and needs to have no power at all, which is kind of where I always end up. It's worth noting that she was speaking to a crowd in San Francisco during that longer clip. Oh, yes. And um, do you have the part where where she says what it's what it's really about, like the three G's? Let me see. Because she is talking to the San Francisco Commonwealth Club, which I'm not sure it was the Commonwealth Club or someplace else in San Francisco that Obama said something uh, similar. 
Anyway, um, we'll get to that. But I wanted to wrap up what I was talking about before the break was that state. So she just told you uh, Atlanta is the biggest air, one of the biggest. It's I think it's the busiest airport in the country or whatever. But it's like significant in the world as an airport. It's the Atlanta location. If you read stuff like Kasim Reed got. Atlanta really plugged in with the U.N. It was on the steering committee of like the 25 strong cities in the world. And you can see when they say, well, if Trump will pull us out of the environmental accord, we'll just join it as cities. There's something uh, world government uh, directional, whatever, going towards world government. And Atlanta is a big part of that. I think it's just got diversity. It's got geographic north, south, east, west uh, and you know, centrism. And then Binkley was telling me that, didn't the Georgia guide? So I said, like, Atlanta is the center of the world, if you look at it that way. It's like the critical, it's like the gravity, center of gravity for the land masses of the world. And you said, I believe Native Americans say that the Georgia Guidestones is on the center of the world. Yeah. Like, I think there's some significance there. And I really think she's running for president of the world. And, and, and what's funny is that, well, so what I was talking about before the break is that she did this Yukos Oil Fellowship for U.S.-Russian relations. But as I dug into what Yukos Oil was all about, I discovered that they had very significant uh, uh, operations to influence the body politic in Russia. And they didn't they didn't hide it. And, and it was uh, the actual the thing that Kissinger and Rothschild were in charge of, Jacob Rothschild and Henry Kissinger of Yukos Oil. I can't even find that in the Wayback Machine. That's like cashed, you know, 404 on the Wayback Machine. And it took me forever to even get what I got. But they were literally trying to reach hundreds of thousands of uh, and were reaching of of Russian children and teaching them about. Western style capitalism and democracy, which I wouldn't even care about, but that's not what they were engaging in. They, if you know what what the, what Clinton and Yeltsin did to Russia, they did the worst stereotypical untrue thing. Like capitalism is, you know, you use money to invest in the future. This is we use our financial uh, prowess to steal everything. You know, it's like your typical communist view of what capitalism is is what they were actually doing. And uh, and they were doing it on behalf. Of, so a lot of Western interests were involved. And you were saying, frankly, that that's what you played us some clips that kind of pointed to exactly that. Right. Can you tell me about remind Yeah, us? That's what the Chatham House, the Royal Institute of International Affairs um, is uh, a British. It's a British think tank. Right. And a man named Andrew Wood, who is responsible for giving the steel dossier, the dirty dossier to John McCain. To undermine Trump. Yes. They have been talking about basically destabilizing Russia and funding protesters, funding an uprising to try and get Putin out of power for since at least 2008. Yeah, they they talk about specifically changing the minds of the people to undermine the government. And actually, oh, and Chatham House is the sister of the Council of Foreign Relations, like literally the sister. The Royal Institute of International Affairs founded the Council of Foreign Relations, and that it changed its name to Chatham House, but the Ca- Council of Foreign Relations, which Stacey Abrams is a member of. Right. And then she had this internship at Yukos Oil. But as I was digging into this stuff and looking at all these protesters, so they, so Putin put the guy in jail who was running it, who was an absolute criminal. You know, he got Ill ga- ill-gotten gains to, be, to own it in the first place. That's what he should have gone to jail for. He went to jail for tax fraud or whatever. But uh, so... I was when I was digging into this, I found a reference to this McFall guy, the Stanford professor. People are like, you can't hand McFall over to Putin, which I don't think that's what he asked. I think he was asking to do it according to a treaty, which is <laughs> his guys get to witness us asking him questions about what he was doing. He was going to nail him to a tree. Like yeah, like, right. And skin him in the Moscow Red Square. So so I'm looking and I see McFall's name pop up and they go through. And he starts writing articles about this in 2003, McFall does, about how Russia could go kind of internal or external. It could be like a great energy partner for the West or whatever. And we think Putin is definitely our guy. We can do this. Well, that was 2003. He wrote that 
fast forward to 2011, 2012, Obama makes him the ambassador to Russia. And there's this YouTube video, which is in Russian, so I can't really understand it. But it's called, um, the subtitle of the title of it is Report, uh, um, Receiving Orders. And what it is is McFaul shows up at the U.S. Embassy in Russia to take his position as ambassador. And the media um, ambush a bunch of people walking in. And the people walking in are the leaders of the five protest groups against Putin. So, sure, maybe they reach out for help to the outside, but by the looks of what these guys are up to, from the Chatham House to the Yukos Oil thing to Kissinger to Rothschild, it's more likely that they were they create these organizations, they act like it's five different organizations, but they're really they're they're explicitly they're stating we are trying to uh, to influence the political process in Russia and we are telling these protesters or these leaders they we're giving them their marching orders. And, hey, you can even say that's great because we're great and they're bad. Whatever. But we clearly our our government and, um, uh, you know, Kissinger supposedly is still head of the security state, according to subsequent national security directors. Who knows what Rothschild's up to over in England, that they are really deliberately trying to influence the body politic in Russia to this day. So Stacey Abrams seems to be groomed, seems to have been groomed by these people that are doing influencing the, the Russian for international work. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Every one of her internships relates to a different region of the world. So I think that her her she's being groomed for something bigger and that the Georgia governorship is a stepping stone for that. And then she talks about using it as an example or as a as a lever to change the nation. You know, so that's yep. I don't think the voters in Georgia, maybe the voters in California like that or New York, but I don't think the voters in Georgia want that. Even the people she's saying she's reaching because her goal, I mean, these people are is is Anglo-American oil. <laughs> you know, that's who who's there. That's what they're doing. She she gets more money from old rich white people than one of Trump's golf clubs. <laughs> and she's telling people she's a grassroots candidate who who speaks for the voice of uh, people who've been forgotten in uh, low income communities. Well, because you've identified her funding from Soros. So, oh, that, yeah. but we've done that before. We've talked. I'm trying to just do new stuff, which this stuff keeps coming up. And I'm just going to keep telling you what I come up with. So, and I'm absolutely open to uh, dialogue 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me. Let's read some tweets after the break at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. That was phenomenal. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I'm back and I have a prize pack. A pair of tickets to Lost 80s Live. This is so speaking my language. On Sunday, August 5th at State Bank Amphitheater at Chastain Park. Enjoy an 80s night of music featuring A Flock of Seagulls, Naked Eyes, Wang Chung, Berlin, uh, the original members of When in Rome, UK, Farrington and Man, Animotion, and New Shoes. It's part of the Delta Concert Series. I gotta say, I know. I just, that's right up my alley. It's so upbeat. Tickets are on sale now uh, at LiveNation.com, but you can get a pair of tickets free if you are first to call 404-741-0750. And uh, I could have offered that uh, this game up to the callers, but I'll just be first to call. And uh, Binkley, I'm ready for your game. Are you ready to play your game? I am ready. Okay. Are you ready? I, I'm ready, but you think I'm going to... Do well. And I, I think you'll I'm do well. I'm a little worried. I get I get nervous about stuff like that. Well, let's see. Let's see. I, I now okay. cha- challenge people listening to play at home. I'm going to play a clip. You tell me what the flawed logic in the clip is. Had probable cause, with judges agreed with them, that Carter Page was leading an effort to collude with the foreign government, who we know now, because they've been indicted for this, um, sabotaged our election. That, if you ever wanted to trigger me, <laughs> an indictment is not yes, evidence. This is why it. they actually have a cliche that you could indict a ham sandwich. Where do you think that comes from? Right. 
Oh, my gosh. I have to encourage people to listen. Was it last week's WSB show where we just beat to death the Chris Wallace, like, trying to shove the indictment (laughs) of Putin's face? Only because he's like, there's the evidence right here. These squiggles on a a, I just wrote it down in crayon in the other room. Like, they did it. It's proof. It's proof right there. And then... uh, and then in the journal that day, it had said, after the Chris Wallace interview, our plan was for Trump to shove the indictment in Putin's face. But he didn't do it, which I thought was rather statesmanlike of him. But, of course, I guess that's reason for impeachment to be statesmanlike. Right. Everybody praises Chris Wallace. Right. And, and it was just so pathetic. If you could have a half an hour with Putin, would you do the talking? Right. I wouldn't do the talking. I wouldn't do the shoving. Anyway, uh, you've got some blockbuster stuff I know that hopefully it doesn't trigger me too much. Maybe it'll trigger y'all. Stay tuned. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are back. I am the Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6 in the home stretch. And uh, actually, we have off next weekend. It's Fan Day. UGA Fan Day, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, But back the next week, 3 to 6, August 11th. But if you really need to hear... A little Perez and Binkley, go to PropagandaReportDaily.com, and you can get this show, all the WSB shows, plus our podcast, and some good articles. And also MonicaPerezShow.com has an archive of, like, libertarian on-point articles if you're interested. But Binkley played a uh, a little game with me if I could spot the flaw in this clip. And I wanted to replay that clip because it reminded me of... Another clip he played for me that totally triggered me earlier in the day. So let's let me hear the game, which is real short, and then we'll play the other thing, too. Let's hear it. The FBI had probable cause with judges agreed with them that Carter Page was leading an effort to collude with the foreign government, who we know now because they've been indicted for this, um, sabotaged our election. Former Obama staffer. Wow, that's really bad to do that to say that because when i say that there's an attack actually this goes full circle to what we started out with and i wasn't even putting that together to suggest that an indictment that a government accusation that is virtually impossible to not get uh except for in the case of the police shooting of william powell that guy was not indicted um you can basically indict a ham sandwich and if that's what uh, this guy is saying, what he's really doing is denying us the Sixth Amendment right. Lock that ham sandwich up. <laughs> right. It's over. Case dismissed. And that's very dangerous. So when these guys are saying we need uh, to get young people to vote not to participate in the system, but to totally change the system, it doesn't sound like the Sixth Amendment is something that would survive their uh, new system. But the fact that this this audience, so this is Pod Save America, and it gets millions of listening listeners. Yeah, right after Obama, not right after Obama, uh, right after Trump was elected, they started a podcast, and they promoted it as grassroots. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just like Stacey Abrams. They have a bunch of these powerful people who are uh, there in their pocket, and they instantly got like millions of views, and then HBO picked them up, and now they're doing a national tour spreading propaganda. Wow. Well, they uh, people who don't know that an indictment is not evidence. Yeah. I mean, that shows a level of ignorance that uh, is is fatal to our system. I, I'm not a huge democracy fan, but to the extent the system works, that is important. Their target audience is young people. Yeah, they're trying to get pre-knowledge voters. Yeah. So, so that's I, I can't remember exactly what the clip was, but you played me a clip that I was just like, "Huh?" So, is that relevant to this about the the Stoneman Douglas kid talking about how smart education. he is? Yeah, indoctrination. Yeah, the one I wanted you to cut up, but you said no. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this is <laughs> this is Cameron thirty-five. It, clip thirty-five. Okay, clip thirty-five. These are these are some of the survivors of the Parkland shooting. 
It's about creating an educated voting force, especially with young people, because when we're talking about what has perpetuated this system, it's because the people that vote are these old people that aren't as educated as the younger people when discussing these uh, situations and this policy. But I mean, it's a lot of it is just the misconceptions and the lack of ability to actually combat these terrible arguments. Like I've been in meetings with over 200 representatives and most of the people against us are absolutely wrong in what they are actually claiming at me. And they, like, misquote the Constitution, and they say policy incorrectly. Yeah, that's why educating the youth is so important. Surprisingly enough, the the older people in this country who will tell you that our insight doesn't matter because we haven't seen this much are the easiest to manipulate. So he's saying that Trump voters are stupid, right? Yeah, and that's one of the kids who was just as prominent as David Hogg in that whole movement. Okay, so a few things actually caught my attention about that clip. One is that they say that people misquote the Constitution, which is straight out of your propagandist in chief, Lakoff, is saying when they quote the mm-hmm. Constitution, you tell them they don't understand the Constitution. Right. So that's a talking point. And, and what the guy said in that clip right there was that older people are not as educated as younger people to talk about these issues. And what I know what they mean because of something I got in the email today. You can say whatever you want right now, Binkley. Oh, I'm, I'm interested I, okay. to hear. Yeah. So, uh, so what they're really saying is they haven't been – older people aren't ready with the sound bites, ready with – so it's just like the Stacey Abrams clips that you're saying where they're saying – she's saying uh, – you have to just tell them what to say or what to do, that you have to get that those connections. That's what Lakoff is saying and all that kind of stuff. So I told you a while ago that I don't know how I signed up for these emails. I, it wasn't like research or anything. I just ended up on the Quora mailing list, Q-U-O-R-A. So when I was doing oh. research on Zuckerberg to figure out where this guy came from, uh, and I discovered that he was – and I think the Stacey Abrams thing was probably – uh, similar in a way of identifying teenagers, but he and Sergey Brin and Lady Gaga and this guy, I think his name is D'Angelo, were in this John Hopkins uh, teen program for insanely gifted youth, like kids who get 100 on the SAT at the age of 12, like crazy stuff like that, really out there, phenomenal. And they weren't there to be targeted like Stacey Abrams. Her high school program was there to mold the kids. This program was there to study geniuses, right? So, so, and they were there for four years. So the guy, so Zuckerberg and this other kid, I think it's D'Angelo, were buddies, and they both transferred to Exeter, Phillips Exeter, the number one high school in the country, I would say by reputation, if not rankings. They transferred as juniors to this high school. Like you transfer as a junior, you save a lot of time and money to get the golden ticket, you know, and, and. Zuckerberg went on to – he had been like a languages and psych major, not a computer science major. But he went on really? to yep, to establish Facebook the day that the Pentagon's life log folded. Life yeah. log was the Pentagon's Facebook, which didn't take off. And then Zuckerberg's Facebook replaced it on the same day. Perhaps. And then um, – but his buddy went on to found Quora, C-Q-U-O-R-A. And I noticed, I said, I looked at it, I keep getting these emails. I'm like, oh, Binkley, this is a talking points machine. So what it is, is they send you, they send you a thing like, I'll just give you this example, which I got in the mail today. It says, what exact, so it's like Q&A. They have professional or like crowdfund, crowd, crowdsourced answers. So it's like a popular question and then a crowdsourced answer. And somehow some of them get sent into your email. This is what exactly is Donald Trump's IQ? Uh, I am betting that in reality, he does not rank as the genius he claims to be. Who can clarify? Cheryl Johns, a realtor, uh, she got 682 upvotes for this and 8,000 views. I don't see any downvotes. Uh, anyway, so I'm sure there are, but this this is what you, you got— You get banned if you get a, give it a downvote. <laughs> well, she—yeah. But, I mean, this this is the excuse for why hers is the answer that rises to the top. Here's her answer. According to Tony Schwartz, the real author of Art of the Deal, Trump, (laughs) spelled small t, capital R, rump, on purpose, she notes, has a vocabulary of about 700 words. So far less than my son who has Down syndrome, just that's my little footnote. Uh, Listening to him repeat the same words over and over, I would say that's about right. Thank you, Cheryl. 
Coco the gorilla could sign and had a vocabulary of over 2,000 words. In short, a gorilla had a vocabulary of almost three times that of the current occupant of the White House. So either Coco, uh, who just died and is a far better creature than the orange one, is a super, super genius, or the great orange one is really stupid. You pick. Well, if- so this is what I'm getting from the Quora guy. This is These are... This is what they're this is how they're educating young people to have answers. It's unbelievable. So it, now the person walks away and says the people who read this, which I'm sure is young people, walk away and say, you know, Trump only has a vocabulary of 700. And he's like Coco the monkey, except right. meaner. Right. And they just she just pulled this out of her orifice. And there it is. What does that say about everybody else? If this monkey <laughs> this uh, orange orangutan with all, you can only speak 700 words colluded with Russia and duped everybody. What does that say about everybody else's intelligence if he's that dumb? Yes, right. That's why it's not it's not okay to like call Hitler crazy because you're not you know, you don't dupe the world, you don't kill I mean it's quite an insult to you right. if you nearly get eradicated as somebody who can't even string two thoughts together. Yeah. Trump no, is a it's lot not of things. okay. Yeah, but he's not dumb. He's a, he's smart. I have to say I really enjoyed that montage you sent me of Joan Rivers saying a lot of things that were funny. Why don't you, you should tweet that. Um, okay. His Twitter is at Freedom Acts Radio. Oh, the one where she said that Trump would be a good president? Yeah, she said he's super smart. He would be a really good president. He just gets things done, whatever. And, you know, she was dead not too long after that. <laughs> I do wonder about her because she, when you sent me that stuff, I realized she really did speak truth to power. And then she walked off the set of CNN during a live interview because the lady was making fun of her for a coat, and she was making fun of the lady's leather shoes, and the, the like the anchor woman would not back off, and she just said, "Ah, I've had enough." And yeah. then I was like, "She's gonna get." I said, "We'll never hear from her again." And then she died. That's crazy. It's like Ron Paul. They bring these people on there under a a, a pretense, and then they ambush them with stupid questions about. Yeah, know. but the really good ones, the people who are sincere, and that's why I think she was sincere, and Ron Paul is that they can respond. Because they've thought of stuff. Uh, hold on. Let's uh, let's take a quick call. I've got like one minute. Uh, uh, Jack in Woodstock, I have about a minute. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Monica. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish you were on prime time because people need to hear what you're saying. Because you're spot on and you have been. And everybody just poo-poos it. And I don't know why. We've been so... Kids don't get taught anything in school anymore, so whatever they hear on the news, that's it. And that's what they live by, and, and, they, and their parents don't reinforce anything, so we're, we're stuck in the middle here. And it's and, so full um, of lies, really- the news. I can debunk it. And, I, I mean, there's stuff on the news that the news itself reported as wrong previously. There's been stuff this week. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you're doing, though. And if, is this stuff on your website? Because yeah, people Binkley, really need Yeah, we really want to spread um, just the truth about Stacey Abrams. And if this is what people want, have at it. But I don't – this is not being advertised. So how can – please tell people where you'll put it. I'll put these clips Thanks, up on Jack. the website this weekend or, yeah, um, in the next couple of days. This is not being advertised. So how can – please tell – Sorry, sweetie. Um, what? Yeah, what, what, where is it going to be? Tell PropagandaReportDaily.com. And are you going to put that in the show notes of this when it's podcasted? I'm going to go ahead and put these clips on the internet this weekend, and then I'll add the show later. Okay, so give him 24 hours. He'll put all this stuff on PropagandaReportDaily.com. And then in a few days when WSB uploads this show commercial-free, we'll put that uh, also on PropagandaReportDaily.com. And we have some other podcasts and stuff of Stacey Abrams. So in the post, Binkley's going to put up tomorrow – It'll have all of uh, our previous research. And Kemp is no great shakes either. We have some of that stuff, too. Uh, you got you to gotta make your own decision about that. I, I, Ted Met sounds like a great guy. I'd love to hear him and his response to what happens when you have a true dilemma. You know, there's, there's, there's stuff to think about here. Let's wrap it up after the break. Or you could tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. I'm not interested in fantasies. I'm interested in reality. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up here at the Monica Perez Show. 
And we didn't read any tweets the whole show. So, Binkley, give me a tweet. All right, I have one from Franny who tweets, Hey, your mother finds those kids claiming that old people who support Trump are not well-informed and don't know the Constitution is insulting, period, and untrue, exclamation point. My mom is a true Trump supporter, very loyal, well-educated, followed uh, politics her whole life, knew Donald Trump, did not approve, knew, not personally, but in New York, did not approve of the way he treated women, but uh, nobody's perfect, and she likes him, and she likes him for reasons. I would have liked to have heard her call in. I know, I know, but uh, I think that's too much to ask. But they're all sitting around listening to it. My son is visiting her, and he was just just uh, got back from survival camp, and he <laughs> texted. I guess they're making him listen to it, but he likes it. He said, I just remembered we're all listening to your show I mentioned you at survival camp, and one of our counselors said he loves you, and uh, I just thought you'd like to know that, Mom. That's awesome. Yeah, so I guess I'm I'm getting my the the demographic I'm going for. Those are the people who are going to save us. So <laughs> thank you very much. Not here next week. Here the week after. If you want to hear the show on podcast, go to propagandareportdaily.com. Thank you, everybody. Rachel, Krista Binkley, and we'll see you next time. This is Monica Perez.